This is Darren Pulsifer, and welcome to Rise of the Stack Developer, where the convergence of DevOps, security, and cloud-native technologies are changing the way products are developed. In today's episode, we're going to talk about robotic process automation, RPAs, and how to use them in legacy integration. When I first started looking at a robotic process automation, uh, someone asked me to research it a little bit. I thought I was going to be talking about robot controllers and automating uh, robots. It has absolutely nothing to do with that. So what is robotic uh, process automation, also known as RPAs? Well, it's not a method to control and manage robots. It's not process automation for factory machines or replace a, or a way of replacing workers at all. What it actually is is a way of automating information workers of redundant tasks. It really um, had its um, birth out of uh, UI testing automation. Um, so normally with UI testing automation, you record a screen, it captures mouse clicks in different locations of the screen, or if you're using a web browser, um, it captures um, tags that have been changed and button presses and things like that. Well, they've taken that UI testing um, frameworks that have been around for quite some time, over uh, 10 or 15 years, and they have repurposed that to help with information workers, and it records how users interact with applications, multiple applications, and then it allows you to play those back uh, with the ability to inject uh, parameters or variables in, into your recordings. So this is really cool because this now lets me automate things that I have to do over and over again in a very simple way by recording the way that I do it. Um, so it's a great way to decrease the number of errors and uh, of highly repetitive tasks that are user um, interface intensive. So um, about three or four years ago, there was a huge influx of money. In fact, over the last three years, huge influx of money into companies in this space. The top three uh, getters in this space as far as uh, financing goes was UiPath, Automation Anywhere, and Blue Prism. Each one of these companies garnered quite a bit of money. Um, the most uh, funding went to UiPath uh, with over a billion dollars in funding, and then Automation Anywhere with $500 million, and then Blue Prism with uh, $50 million. This is a lot of money. And this money didn't come from your typical uh, VCs sitting in Silicon Valley. Uh, we saw most of this money coming from financial institutions in New York and L.A., which is very different. Um, I researched it a little bit more and found out that the reason these companies are investing in it is because they use the technology. They want to make sure the technology grows and is used in other industries as well uh, because they're looking at ways that they can automate information workers' redundant tasks so those information workers can focus on things that are of higher value. Um, so they've seen huge benefits in this. There's some great ROI calculators out there on each one of these guys' sites, and they're not right now trying to differentiate themselves. But before we talk about how they're differentiating themselves or how we manage these robotic process automation tools, RPAs for short, let's talk about the two modes of operation. Today, every single one of them do attended execution of RPA bots. In fact, they short for robots, right? So these RPA bots in attended mode means that they handle tasks for individual employees. 
that an employee works with the bot as they're working through things. So there's pause statements. The employee may type something in and then hit continue, and then it'll continue on through the workflows, right? Employees trigger the bots uh, themselves or sometimes through some automated tasks that might be built into their normal workflow. They found major improvements in uh, productivity and customer satisfaction in call centers and other service desk types environments. And that's attended, right? The unattended aspect is really great for automating back office and processes at scale. So now it's not tied to an individual employee, but now I've got to do massive amounts of work that were uh, done previously by people. Maybe I can automate that and uh, get that work done faster. This is a really good uh, way of um, working with, I shouldn't say good way, but it is a way of integrating uh, legacy applications and new modern applications. It's kind of quick and dirty. There are some downsides to it, which we'll talk about later, but it does free up employees from rote work that they would normally be doing um, and um, lowering costs uh, primarily, improving compliance and accelerating process improvement. So there's a lot of benefits to both. Attended, available everywhere today. Unattended, it's a little more um, hit and miss on all, all these tools. They'll all say they have unattended, but there's some tips and tricks um, in using them effectively. So let's talk about um, working in the enterprise and why this is an interesting space specifically for the information worker. And this mostly comes from the information worker themselves, um, where they have repeatable manual processes that they're trying to run. And it's primarily been focused on them. But to really work in an enterprise well, you have to consider the other um, actors involved, like IT. IT's main goal is optimization, protection, and reliability. And then you've got your new application developers on the right-hand side here, and they are developing developing products and quick iterations, and they are the Wild West, right? They want to move fast and get things done. There's some issues with working with RPAs in these environments. Um, some of the issues are as developers, d developers are developing new products or maybe even changes or updates to existing products, they could actually affect RPA bots dramatically. Right? Because they're pushing out new things, changes into legacy applications sometimes, and sometimes into new applications that are running in private clouds or public clouds. And IT organizations are trying to maintain, you know, reliability, protection of IP, optimizing for costs. All those things are in play. And this poor information worker, he can adapt pretty well to changes that are happening from your um, new development of products or the way workflows go and IT pushing back saying, hey, we need to slow things down. They need to be more secure, reliable and at a lower cost. So this coordination, this dance between these three actors in your system actually are an important thing to understand when you're dealing with RPA bots because your RPA bots uh, tend to be a little bit more static and fragile to changes in your system. So best way to explain this 
is take a look at your information worker. He's working on applications and maybe he's recorded uh, an RPA bot, right? So he's recorded this work, it's happening. He may need some help from IT um, to get the right version of the software or whatever it is. Um, But IT, he's setting it up, he's managing legacy applications and also private cloud in this respect. Then you've got your developer over here. I'm going to release new software, right, in the private cloud and public cloud. And then I'm going to train the information worker on how to use my application. Right? And then that application is going to now be tied into the information worker's normal workflow. It could be a new app that he needs to work in the process that he normally does with a legacy application. And in that case, he needs some way of getting access to that that's in the public cloud or the private cloud. And so IT has to establish that, um, credentials, all those sorts of things. So the information worker will record a new bot and get that running. And that works out pretty well. But now let's say I make an update to the application. I've got this update to an application. Um, a dev is telling the uh, information worker, hey, I gave you this new app uh, update. The information worker is all pissed off because he has to now re-record his bot because maybe they added a new field in the application. Maybe they removed a field. Maybe they moved things around. Um, Developers need to understand those sorts of things. You've got to understand what the what all is happening there. Because the bot is tied to typically screen space or tags in a website, you have to be very mindful when you're app when you're an app developer that when you're making updates that you don't break all the bots. And that may that may include some testing of a handful of bots in your normal development cycle that you're working. So One thing we have to look at is what is the uh, computational complexity now as the number of applications I'm tying together increase with an RPA bot, as well as the number of environments, because each environment has a different set of credentials I need to worry about, different reliability numbers and latency, all these things come into play. So when you are working with an RPA tool and you're trying to use it to tie legacy and new applications together, limit the number of applications that you're working on and the number of steps as well. You've got to be mindful of this because if you don't, what you'll find is your complexity um, um, goes up dramatically um, to a factor of, you know, like in factorial type of number. And it could be even worse than that because of the number of steps involved. It becomes a nightmare to manage because you've got to be able to test those um, those new workflows as well. So be mindful of that. Change in this environment um, is very um, hard to, to work with. So there's no common way to automate processes and workflows across this whole thing in a secure manner because of the different environments that I'm working in as well, unless you have tools like single sign-on across multiple clouds, including legacy applications. Most of these applications have some kind of a login, um, whether it's a username and password or um, authentication um, credentials, whatever it may be, you've got to come up with how you're going to manage that. 
Most of the RPA tools allow you to inject security credentials into the bot at runtime. If they do not, um, I would steer clear of those tools because that means you don't have reuse. And it also means anytime that you have to change passwords or reestablish keys, which happens in a lot of organizations, like every three months you have to change your password, all of a sudden all your automation is broken and you have to re-record it, uh, which can be time consuming. about how we can use um, a multi-hybrid cloud to help manage these RPA bots because there's something really cool about um, multi-hybrid cloud architectures. They handle security across multiple domains for you really well, right? They handle inter-cloud communication in a secure way. So you don't have to establish that um, every time that you create a new bot. There's a lot of things that it can handle for you. So let's take a look and see how could we use an RPA bot in a multi-hybrid cloud and let that multi-hybrid cloud orchestration happen for us so it can establish the security for us as we pass in the security credentials at the top, it can handle where it's running effectively and establish a secure overlay network to connect everything together. So let's take a look on how we can manage that and to see what benefits we get out of using multi-hybrid cloud um, technology to help in the management of RPA bots uh, running in my ecosystem. So first, let's take a look at um, the area of a multi-hybrid cloud that are most important to the um, RPA bots, and it's the automation frameworks that are out there, right? This is really where it ties in well. Well, there's two types of automation frameworks. If you include um, RPA tools as an automation framework, which it is because it's recording um, the way a user interacts with the user interface, that's, and it automates that um, in a reusable way. So that's really good. There's also DevOps tools that do automation as well, right? Cool thing is, is they both give a lot of the same um, capabilities and abilities, whether it's flexibility, RPA tools give some of that flexibility, repeatability, most definitely, deployment and provision, the, all those tools have some aspect of that, and ease of use, they've really focused on that a lot. DevOps tools have those same um, things. Tools like SaltStack, Ansible, Puppet, and Chef, very well known, large communities around each one, they're all flexible. How can I utilize both of those tools together to get this work that I need done in an automated way? Whether I am using an RPA to tie legacy applications to modern applications, or I'm using in its traditional sense of helping an information worker automate um, highly repetitive tasks that they're working on. It's good to understand how I can utilize both. So let's first take a look at a concept of building RPA bots. Today, a user will sit down, um, they'll fire up the tool, it basically records what they're doing on their screen. They will then save it. They could go back and make some changes and add vari variations to it by adding variables and arguments, uh, passing in security credentials, and then they run it on their machine. So this is an information worker developing or creating 
an RPA bot. Well, now let's say I want to reuse that bot in several different places. I want to be able to version control that bot. What tools does that bot need in order to run? Because you're tying tools together. You need to make sure that you have an environment set up um, that have all those tools. So if I want to run this maybe in the background in an unattended way, I need to know what the versions of the tools were, all those things. So we came up with this idea of what if I were to bundle the RPA bot with all of the tools that it uses and including in there a runtime environment like in a VDI, a virtual desktop environment, um, so that I could easily repeat that um, recording of the RPA bot over and over again. And I could tear it down and start it up easily. So we came up with the idea of creating a bundle. And it is an RPA bot bundle. And this RPA bundle allows me to inject um, all of my tools inside that same bundle. So I, since it's bundled together, I can version it together. I can treat it as one entity that flows through my normal development pipeline that I've already established from building that to testing it to running it in production across multiple different environments. And the cool thing about if I do this concept of the bundle, I can get all of the benefits of using bundles that exist today, like injecting network and environment parameters into the bundle that can then be passed into um, the different tools and the bot itself. And it can establish a micro-segmented network domain specifically for that bundle. So now it's secure as well. I can also inject in there secrets like passwords and usernames if I have multiple or authentication keys and I can inject those in at runtime as well into the bundle. This gives me the ability to use that bundle as different users if I need to, right? Which gives me additional reuse. Now, because it's a VDI environment, it's a virtual desktop that's interactive as well. So I can run this whole concept both in an unattended mode and an attended mode. So this bundle concept is really important. Um, that gives me a really cool benefit. As you can see, when we talk about dropping that bundle into your typical DevOps or Sec DevOps um, pipelining that you, as a software pipelining that you normally run. So like in that example, your dev environment now is run by your information worker that is developing this RPA bot. He develops it in this dev environment. He then pushes it into um, that bundle. He can push that definition of the bundle into like GitHub and then We'll build that, run some tests on it, and then it puts it up into a pre-production registry or a staging area where I run additional tests on it. If it passes, I push it into a production registry and now I can run it in production. So just like I would normally do with any other application software. Now, the other cool thing about this as well is if a dev team creates a new version of the application, and it releases it, it's not going to mess up my bot. 
because my bot is versioned with the previous version of that application. What it means is I, as the information worker, would say, all right, I'm going to take that new application and I'm going to create an, a new version of the same bot. Release that out. And then now I have real version control over my bots. And I don't get surprises from an application changing out from under un, the underneath of me. Now, that's completely true if I can put all the applications in the bundle. Now, that's not always the case. You may have a legacy application, maybe it's running on a mainframe that I have hooks into. You can still bundle um, a reference. It's almost like a reference pointer in my bundle to that legacy application. But if that legacy application changes, then I'm not going to know about those changes until I'm in production and, and it's running. Unless every time that a legacy application on a mainframe or something that can't be bundled, but only by reference changes, then I run it through a dev cycle as well, which I could easily do. Let's talk about some of the problems with bots. Um, because I'm recording um, user interface interaction, um, a lot of times what I found is some users actually say, I'm going to work around security and just run everything in privileged mode. Right? I'm going to run all my applications in privileged mode. Who cares about security? Well, your CISO may care a lot about security. So you got to be careful of that. Um, the other thing you have to watch out for is that your user interfaces and your RPA bots are tightly coupled. In fact, they are completely coupled, right? Because your RPA bot is dependent on your user interface being a certain way, whether it's um, an RPA bot that goes by uh, mouse XY position clicks or using tags inside a web page, um, you've got to understand that now you're tightly coupled across multiple applications, right? So any changes to user interface can be a, a major problem for these bots, right? Which means that they're very brittle and they can't handle change very well. Um, and it can be very difficult if you don't design your bot um, correctly, it'll be very difficult to reuse it in other processes or workflows. I suggest going with smaller number of steps um, and creating like small mini bots that um, can be used with other bots. That's a better approach. Then you can increase the number of um, reuses of a specific bot. Maybe it only does one thing um, instead of doing a full workflow by itself. Right. And then some, there are some user interfaces that are dynamic in nature um, that are constantly changing based off of environment issues around them. RPAs have a harder time uh, working in those. Now, AI is supposed to come and save and help with the RPAs and all the RPA vendors are looking at how they can leverage AI to help um, so that they're not tied so directly to a user interface, but that they can infer what things are on a user interface as they change, right? Since not all processes are easy, easy to automate via user interface um, because of dynamic uh, user interfaces or security authentication challenges, um, they're trying to see how they can use AI to help in some of those cases. So right now, 
Um, it's still at the very beginning of this, but I think that's where most of that investment money is headed um, that's out there. I don't know because I'm not in those companies, but it's a, probably a wild guess, probably a pretty good guess that they're trying to use inference to help um, when they are managing um, processes so or creating new bots so they're less prescriptive. It can be a little bit more fuzzy, but they can still get things done. Another area that I think that they're looking at is that you have self-learning bots that can optimize processes by looking at user interfaces and looking how workers are using a user interface in very many different ways, and then giving a better um, guidance to the information workers on ways to to optimize their the way that they're working and then eventually optimize those RPA bots. So very interesting space, a lot of research going on in this space, and I imagine there'll be a lot of spin outs of um, new technology coming out of, out of this work that's being done. Now let's talk about bots in general. I do not think it is a great idea to have a bot that you think is going to last for years. There's just too much change in the system. So make sure that you have a plan to end of life an RPA bot when you develop it. And really the ideal plan is to come up with integration points that aren't using a user interface, that are using uh, common APIs that you would have. If you don't have a common API with a legacy application, it might be time to build one. Um, so use your bot as a stopgap to help get over um, long um, integration um, development cycles and get something working right away, but have a plan on how you are going to uh, remove that bot in the future. It could be that you get rid of a legacy application completely, right? Or you're going to replace the legacy application with a new application, or maybe get rid of that whole workflow um, completely. Don't see your RPA bots as the end. It is a stopgap measure. Um, the reason I say that is because they are fragile and brittle um, because they are so dependent on user interface um, uh, changes and uh, layouts. So here's some tips that we talked about. Um, just real quick, treat RPAs as complex services that are running in your multi-hybrid cloud. Um, you put them through your um, Sec DevOps or your DevSecOps workflows, just like you would any other application. Make sure you're controlling and doing uh, configuration management on them, version control and things like that. Inject security and authorization at runtime into through your RPA tools or through your bots themselves. Look at RPA tools. Make sure that you can automate that step. If you can't, then you've just traded automation with another manual process. Not a good idea. Right. And then find ways to reuse your RPA bots in different parts of your organization. If you break it down into a common workflow that you see over and over again, instead of just looking at a big, massive workflow, you'll have that opportunity to do that by having smaller bots um, that work together. And then also make sure you have a plan to replace your RPA bot with a simplified integration. This will run faster lower cost and less mistakes. And then also look for ways to decrease legacy applications, um, either replace or remove them in the future. Thanks for listening to Rise of the Stack Developer. If you enjoyed our podcast, go ahead and subscribe. 
give us five stars and let other people know. If you want more information, like tutorials, videos, white papers, check out our website, riseofthestackdev.com. Until next time, go out and build a new world, one stack at a time.